everybody, and welcome to the show, Feeling Well. I'm Ralph here as always with Lloyd Howell. Ralph, I am just about freezing my at sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. Oh, very good. Up here. Very good. Very It's cute. a cold one. Yeah. It's a cold one, Ralph, and I don't want to swear about it, but I'm uh, I'm 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 a little peaked, you know. I can I can see the I can see the frost on the windows. It's it's beginning to look a little what like a uh, 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 peaked. You ever hear that? No. What's you know, that? You're, uh, it means you're you're. Uh, you're you're, you're kind of you're you're walloped you're laid out by by just the enormity of it all you're you're brought low by the circumstances what's the word is it you uh, that you're pronounced are you saying peaked or peaked it is spelled the same as peaked but it is pronounced with two syllables peaked as in the peak of a mountain or peaked like your interest is yes peaked? uh like like the peak of a mountain uh, you love these little um, these little archaic aphorisms Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. I bring them back. I wrench them. I wrench them from antiquity right onto the right onto the airwaves. That's right. Because it's feeling well with Ralph and Lloyd. It's the classic. It's the public facing episode. That's right. So you're not getting the real shit, but you are. You are getting your due. Yeah. Let's just say it at the top, um, folks. You better join this 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 dang Patreon. All right. Five dollars a month. Things are happening for the cost of a de- for the cost of a fucking cup of coffee. Uh, yeah, at least where we hail yeah. from, you'll get f- at mm-hmm. least four hours of entertainment every month. Uh, perhaps more. You never perhaps know. Perhaps more. That's not. Know. That's not including bonus a... content. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't, we may Oof. have to take some drastic measures. You know, maybe we'll just have yeah. to make the yeah. the public episode worse and worse, or maybe we'll just have mm-hmm. to make it slighter. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to have to resort to that. Um, or maybe I'll have to. I'll have to cut off my own finger and send it to Ralph for some reason mm, to Maybe, me. Yeah. What, what would you think about that? I'll send it to him. Well, no, that's, that sounds like, then, okay, this is exactly wrong. That sounds like an incentive to get them to not to do it. Cause they would want to hear the, the fallout of your having done that. So why don't we put it this way? If oh. enough of you join Lloyd will do that. <laughs> he will, he I will, will do sever, that. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. an extremity and send it to me and we'll, we'll, we'll yes. have to, yes. we'll have to pot about it. Mm. But, uh, it's like, ooh, ah, ooh, Ralph, I'll tell you. Sure is sure is hard keeping up with repairs around the old homestead without my uh <laughs> you know, I don't have my my uh my hoeing finger no more. Your hoeing finger. That's uh, how you get your Yes. That's how you get your uh hose nice and slippery, is that right? That's oh, <laughs> you know it. You know it, pal. When uh when the when the earth needs tilling, when the when the earth is uh is is fecund, as it were, and you've uh You've got to you've got to loosen it That's up. That's right. That's and, why you hate to, pantyhose. To get, to get those seeds in. But uh, yeah, so I understand that uh, you've got <laughs> you've got some snow in your neck of the woods. I guess. <laughs> I guess that's why I hate pantyhose. Um. <laughs> well, I was suggesting that your yes. hoeing finger was the the finger with which you you oh. stimulate the the vagina of the many women with which you lay. Oh. Yeah. But you weren't precise. You weren't, you weren't picking up on that, so I had to be. I shit. It's like, I oh. had to be ribald and spell it out. But I thought that the. Thank I you. Thank that the, you for. The, would you even call that a double entendre? It feels like a single entendre. It has the. It has the hoe slur in it. But uh, yeah. Double entendres are premium content now. This is you're getting it. You're getting it spelled right the fuck out here. Um, no, I, I was expecting a big snowstorm. Um, what's the What's the LBJ quote? He, there's like an LBJ quote where it's like something when he was getting fitted for something. No, it's like something or, like something is the something 
as like pantyhose are to finger fucking. And I was trying to riff on that, but I couldn't oh. I couldn't figure out what the first thing was. <laughs> it was one of those classic oh. horny LBJ quotes. Oh, LBJ, our nation's our, horniest president. He's um, up there. Are you are you Googling it? If you if you yeah, do LBJ yeah. pantyhose, I'm sure it'll come up. No question. Okay, we're 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 making it happen. Um, f- uh, f- Gerald Ford's economics are wor- are the worst thing that happened to this country since pantyhose ruined finger. Oh, so it's okay. I thought it would be yes. like more like there's an analogy at play, but it's just kind of him saying it's bad that this no. happened because of this. So yes. So what was the first yes, part? Again, Gerald Ford's economic policy is that what it was? Gerald Ford's economic policy is the worst thing that happened to this country since pantyhose ruined finger. Okay, so Gerald, let me let me let me put this on record. Gerald Ford's Mm -hmm. economic policies are the worst thing that's happened to this country since pantyhose ruined hoe fingering. So that's just that's what I was driving at. So there we we can put a lid on. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> it was it was a detour on to the next. It thing. wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. But at least in our way, we were able to weave together a little bit of history. A little, I'm, so, I'm, little I'm surprised bit, to know? hear that LBJ was alive to even comment on the Ford administration. I, f- I feel like he died only a few years after he resigned. Right. He grew out his hair and then he, he quickly perished, I believe. Jeez, did he? I, I think so. Ford. Uh, yeah. Yeah. LBJ is like. He's not. He wasn't like the worst president. He was still a shitty guy, obviously. But you know, interesting. Well, he, he had, escalated he had, he had, the he war. Like fun, of course, yeah. A fun quality to him. Yes, yes, he escalated the war. No, he was funny. He had that other you quote know, where he that, was uh, like, when people were talking about JFK's promiscuity, he was like, "Oh, I had, I fucked more women by accident than that kid did on purpose, or something like that." He would apparently he would like wag his dick at yeah. his aides, like you'd never seen anything. That's right, this, folks. What's come on, mm-hmm. you know? But. He had he had that uh, he had that fun uh, uh, conversation on on tape with his with his tailor about uh, about getting fitted for some pants and he was always complaining about how they would ride up and oh there wasn't enough cock his, room his, there was enough cock room his, his bunghole he would he would he like oh it's it's irritating my bunghole you know I, was I, I bunghole his word of hang. choice yes yes it was you know? I thought he I thought uh, someone like him would have something even crasser than that like my potentially yeah. maybe I mean maybe back then that was very crass. I don't know. It still it still sounds a little crass to me. It has there is there is a But he was he was, he he there, would there swear a, though. He would know. say off-color things, you know. LBJ. Yes, he would. Yeah. He would. I'm sure I'm sure he uh, you know, I'm sure he was And was sure it wasn't him it wasn't him who who uh apparently had like a button on the White House desk or something. I don't know if this is a if this is a tall tale, but like when he was it was either like when his wife was calling or if he was somehow being caught uh, fucking someone. He had some kind of button. I don't know. I'm, is this ringing any bells? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't put it past. Man, see, I I, uh, I know a lot of like little bits of trivia, but I don't. Uh, I'm pretty light with the presidential stuff. I don't have a I don't have a good handle. I like, on that. I, but, I, but LBJ. I like presidential yeah. trivia. I like I like talk. I like yeah. I like uh, reading about presidents. Yeah, who was that guy? It was oh yeah, like like Robert Caro. Well, he did L- yeah, he did the definitive tomes on uh, LBJ. He's still writing the definitive tomes on LBJ. He's still like, finishing. Yeah, still I haven't written? read any of them, but yeah, he's doing. L- he's his guys were LBJ and Robert Moses. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I recently this year I read the uh, Rick Perlstein books that cover the gamut from uh, uh, Goldwater to Nixon uh, to Reagan with mm-hmm. some minor figures in between, but. 
I like yeah. that stuff. Nixon's my favorite. Nixon is the is mm. by far the most interesting president, I think. Yeah. Certainly certainly among the funniest. Oh um, yeah. And like, you know, just just a just a real a real just ball of pathos that guy. Just just the Have you seen uh I feel like there are very few like like uh, solidly good movies about a single U.S. president, but Nixon has two mm. great ones, which are Robert Altman, oh, really? Robert Altman's Secret Honor, um, which mm. is um, a movie that all takes place in one room with one actor, uh, Philip Baker Hall, who you might know is uh, he was in uh, the early Paul Thomas Anderson films. He was the he was like the the uh, country investor in Boogie Nights. He was the guy who uh, may or may not have molested his daughter in Magnolia. You would know him if you saw him, oh, okay. Phil, Philip Baker Hall. He's, yeah. a, he's a legendary character actor. But it's just him being Nixon rambling to himself in one room for for the duration of the film. And the other is Oliver Stone's uh, Nixon, in which Anthony Hopkins mm. plays Nixon, um, which uh. is of epic length and... Um, is uh was was made shortly after JFK and is made in that similar like kind of hyper intense style. But I love both those movies. Mm. But uh, oh, yeah, gosh, I have not seen either. Yeah. I'm gonna have to put those on the list. It's gonna be a long cold winter. Gonna watch a lot of movies. But I understand um, Snow. Like Oliver Stone, generally. Oliver Stone. Well, I mean, I love JFK is awesome, and Nixon is like you know probably in like my top 40 or maybe even 30 or whatever i love those two movies those two movies are awesome um i haven't revisited many of his other films from the same period in a while i don't know how platoon holds up i don't imagine natural born killers or born on the fourth of july holds up particularly well but i do know that everything he's made in the 2000s onward is like dog shit so like i don't it's it's weird like yeah some directors just kind of lose it and it just kind of flares out like i don't know how the director of fucking w or world trade center is the same director as jfk and i haven't seen fucking (laughs) snowden but that looks even more fucking Uh uh creatively and aesthetically impoverished so he's one of those guys who who like Definitely lost it in his, um, but he was kind of the last guy who was like considered like kind of, I mean, maybe not the last, but like, it's, it's, it's interesting to consider like at the, at the height of his powers in the nineties, in the early mid nineties, he was considered like a genuinely like kind of dangerous or controversial director. And he was someone, I mean, his politics are probably, you know, he, he definitely has like boomer tendencies. Like you've seen JFK, right? Um, a long time ago. I don't remember it very well. Well, it's yeah. a great film, but like there's there, like politically there are things to quibble. Like he's like got such a like boomer hard on for JFK, um, the president mm-hmm. himself, you know, which is obviously problematizing. So he does have like lib tendencies, but he was someone who would like command, at least with those films, like huge budgets, like fucking stacked casts and was like, e- even, even if his, his politics, um, um, as communicated through those films were not like sufficiently like left wing or whatever you would call them. Like they were like, like they, they, they were like, um, you know, 
they ran counter to like the consensus. Like it was like provocative right. for him to advance the views he was advancing, you know, like in JFK, sure. the suggestion that um, JFK was killed by the CIA because he wanted to scale down Vietnam uh, or, or mm-hmm. Nixon, which um, advanced a similar notion. So it is wild that there was like a guy who was once able to do that. It's like kind of unfathomable today. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, huh. did you see W? You you talked about yes, w, so I saw I, I saw, saw I saw it. W in the theater, which came out at the very oh. end of the uh, of the Bush administration. It came out in the mm. I believe the winter of two thousand eight. I saw it in theaters. I've watched it a couple times since. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but yeah, have you seen that? I remember I remember the trailers vividly, and uh, no, yeah, well, it's, it it, thinking, it has no like. Um, visual cinematic dramatic inspiration at all whatsoever like it's a uh-huh. it's a very it's a very plain and uninspired movie um on those levels and also like yeah he he typically like because like nixon is um uh, it's like because i remember when w came out people were like because you know at least in the media's conception of him uh oliver stone was like a fire breathing left winger or whatever but it's like oh he's surprisingly sympathetic to george w bush but in nixon he's also uh, like um i think it's better in nixon but like he is like somewhat sympathetic to nixon in nixon uh, uh portraying nixon as someone who even if he wanted to he was like kind of cowed by like the military industrial complex and the cia or whatever so it was kind of about like that or whatever but in w like w very mediocre middling like medium kind of movie like it plays like the greatest hits of like what was like surface level embarrassing about um the bush administration but like i don't know like uh very very much a rudimentary examination of w this idea that like the whole thing about it is what i guess the point i was trying to say is that he likes to 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 shoehorn in these like shakespearean narratives at the expense of like Mm. the political record or whatever so it's like oh all this happened because he just wanted to impress his father um which i guess Uh. is like something that i at least thought was partly true at least until i read uh that book family secrets or, or uh, family of secrets, which uh, I don't know, whatever. But have, what, what, do you have an opinion of W? Um, not not the film. No, I was I was interested in your in your thoughts on it because I have not seen hardly any of of Stone's filmography. Like I, I remember being gifted his Doors. Oh yeah, that's movie. that's one of his most mediocre movies. At some point, yeah, yeah. And I I saw that and I was like, this is pretty awful i don't know it's that that one's that one's bad yeah jfk Um, and nixon rock you have to at least you have to at least watch jfk it's on hbo max if Mm -hmm. you have that um hbo max that's right speaking of which every every uh we're we're recording this in the week where warner brothers announced that every film in 2021 that's right is going to be released including uh the batman which was which was co-written by one of your old friends i understand (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Which yes. poses the question: uh, well, What if you had a Batman movie, but it was like kind of dark? You know, yeah, ooh, that's that's. Ooh, yeah. there's so much to explore there. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I mean, just consider it. Like, this is a guy who's like his parents are his parents are dead, man. Right. And 
And like he's 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 like going out of his way and he's like he's doing the work and he's like becoming like vengeance. And what if he were to say that at some point? Like what what if someone yeah. were to ask him like what he is? What if a man were a he bass. were to respond? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 it's Robert Pattinson. Just, I am vengeance. I'm uh, Oh, you're doing the Batman the animated series catchphrase, I believe that is. Right? No, that that's what he says in the trailer in the Batman. Oh, he's really? Like, like he's 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 beating up some uh, some thugs, it's so, some uh, some street toughs. It's so funny, just like and he says, I am, "I am vengeance." Yeah, it's so funny, like the uh, like how how just kind of stupid and arbitrary so many like Hollywood practices practices have become that like they cast Colin Farrell as the Penguin um, because like you know you want a name, so it's like let's get Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. But like they go to the trouble of giving him so much makeup that he no longer looks like Colin Farrell. He just looks like an average-looking, oh, no. fatter man. So it's like, oh, why okay. not cast like a somewhat <laughs> fatter, more ordinary-looking character actor instead of like sure. slimmer, more sure. good-looking Colin Farrell? It's just like hilariously arbitrary. Get Danny DeVito again. Mo- that that would be great. That would be like years. kind of yeah. That would be kind of. Um, Mm. Yeah, that 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 would be kind of what's the word? It would be heartening to see him take back up the yeah. mantle in a way like kind Absolutely. of disturbing. I mean, he's aged pretty well, Danny DeVito. He has, he has, and he and he's still having a good time. Like, I'm not, I'm not like an always sunny fan. I've never like, really watched it. Some, yeah, yeah, like 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 he's he's got some funny bits. Like he's a he's a he's a seems to be a, a nice guy. Um, he's a director in his own right. While he's acting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, just just put him back out there. You know, I I, I met Joel Schumacher once. Joel Schumacher seemed like the a, recently like a pretty... deceased Joel Schumacher. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, you know, he was he was always he was nice to me. We we worked in the same. Under what conditions did you meet Joel Schumacher? Um, I was a I was a, I was an assistant editor on um, what was that? Was I don't even remember the year. I think it was 2013's Man on a Ledge. Uh, Man on a Wire, starring. Man on a Ledge, much less, much less successful film. Um, was it directed by Joel director. Schumacher? No, no, but uh, but it was like it was a situation where the, like two features were being edited in the, in the same bay, um, and so uh, what's that fucking guy's name? Oh, here it is, Man on a Ledge, two thousand twelve. When disgraced yeah. ex-cop Nick Cassidy, Sam Worthington, who I know as Sam who I know is the protagonist mm-hmm. of Avatar, steps onto exactly, the ledge exactly of the right. highest floor of New York's famous Roosevelt Hotel, more than just his life is mm-hmm. at risk, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. So then, what does this have to do with Joel? He was just making a, a film in an, uh, an adjacent uh, editing hub or something. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was like. They had rented this space in New York City, and and Men on a Ledge was editing in in half of it, and Joel Schumacher's film was in the other half, and like I was a, I was like a, a I was like a post PA, so I was running around getting lunches and stuff, and I would uh, you know, I would run into Joel sometimes. Were you a post PA or Joel. or in AE? I was a, I was a post PA. No. Now that I remember, no, oh. because yeah. I was going to say that's pretty I impressive was, that you were an AE. On like it, it, it would have been pretty impressive. <laughs> no, no, I I I did not. Do were that. you paid I, at least? Uh, I was paid. I was paid some. That's good. It was uh it was one of my one of my earliest jobs. But Joel Schumacher, he has like the ago. kind of like he had the like greased back like long like shoulder length hair, right? 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you had an interaction with him. He did he talk to you about yeah. how he like fucked a thousand women or something? That was his thing, I believe. Yes, yes. No, I thought I thought he Joel Schumacher was like famously. I thought he was gay. Is he gay? I, I thought he was, he was like famously promiscuous, yeah. and it was like a whole thing. Like he bragged about the amount of women he had. I think it was men. I'm gonna I'm gonna fact check this right now. We're gonna fact check Joel Schumacher, the the recently dearly departed Joel Schumacher. Was that guy gay? We're gonna find out. <laughs> nope. See, you're wait. Schumacher's uh, claim. Uh, okay, let's see. Huff Post. Director Joel Schumacher sir. says he's had sex with up to okay twenty thousand partners. That's it's still up in the air. Um, <laughs> partners. See? I've had sex with go. famous people and I've had sex with married people, and they go to the grave. Uh, <laughs> maybe he was pan. Oh, maybe actually, I think he may. Yeah, you're right. He was gay. I guess. Uh, yeah. Let me just let me just really confirm. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just don't want to spread sexually. Jill, uh, Schumacher became sexually active at age 11 and had sex with three mm. girlfriends during his youth. When he was 15, he started okay. a relationship with a 17 year old boy that lasted two years. Uh, you're, um, what? The, uh, what website? According is this to on? Wikipedia, Schumacher said that he had oh, had sex oh. with between ten thousand and twenty thousand men. Well, that's boy is my face red. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> ten thousand and twenty between ten thousand and twenty thousand men. Yeah. The guy had some pep in his step. Maybe, maybe that's true. I suppose so. He wasn't. He say? wasn't a particularly good director, but. Um, mm. He had fun. He was like he, had he was like a set. classic journeyman hack, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. He uh, damn, that is a lot yeah. of boys' holes, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but plenty. But anyway, you got more to, than enough, I'd say. <laughs> well, come on, yeah. Lloyd. Let's not. <laughs> That's to uh, you. No, no judgment. No judgment yeah. on the man. That seems. That seems a bit much. Wow. That seems mm. a bit much if I'm being honest. Damn. Mm. That, that's that's a microaggression if I ever heard one. Or whatever Ooh. you would call it. I think I think I think twenty I think twenty thousand boys holes is that's fine. You know? It's like what did they say in the depression? What, what did they say what did they say in the depression during the depression? Just enough is as good as a f- feast. I guess that doesn't really apply because um, twenty thousand would be clearly a feast. Mm. Um, the Great Depression, uh, brother, can you spare a hole? <laughs> they would say stuff like that. Pretty good. Oh. Pretty good. So I understand you got some snow in your neck of the woods. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> let's circle back around. You know what's funny though? I realized the last time we talked about the new shitty Batman movie and referenced that we both know the guy who was a credited co-writer on it was on our one uh-huh. lost episode that we recorded in our yes. bedroom in like February yes. on which you were like mm-hmm. mondo depressed and we like the the recorder was such that we didn't get your audio so we recorded another episode that was actually much better but that I, I remember yes. that's something we yes. addressed on that lost episode mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. we talked about that guy <laughs> we talked about that fucking guy no i i I got I got depressed on that one. No, I, I'm. Uh, who cares? Whatever. Um, it's just funny. It's snow, just a funny coincidence. However, it is funny. Yeah. It is funny. And and you know what? I'll probably watch it. I'll probably see the movie at some. Oh point. no, I'll watch it. I understand uh, the director is the guy who made uh, the new Planet of the Apes trilogy. 
Um, oh, and really? I think okay. I think I've said those those are pretty good, right? I have to say, I think I may have said this on the podcast before, but I watched the the third one on a plane once, and uh-huh. I'm someone who's like staunchly anti CGI. I think CGI in basically everything, unless it's used in a very nominal capacity, is is very obviously fake looking and ugly and soulless. But I gotta say that last Planet of the Apes movie, those talking monkeys. Those monkeys look fucking real. That was, those were some mm. incredible effects in that last Planet of the Apes movie. Oh, yeah. It, I want to see the real monkeys. It was funny though because it's like it's fun. one of those things. It's like a hilarious like cliche in science fic in, in like mainstream science fiction cinema, where it's like you're creating like a metaphor or an allegory, but like the allegory doesn't really like complicate the social issue in such a way that you're like shedding new light on it it's just like what if we did slavery but they're aliens instead of black people you know what i'm Uh saying and it's like oh huh you know or it's like (laughs) oh what if we do imperialism but they're it's they're the navi or in this case Uh it's like okay monkey holocaust you know and that's basically <laughs> the movie where it's like you have these characters who uh, can speak who can speak fluently and have like communities and are basically people and they're being uh you know uh uh herded into into concentration camps and and uh and uh, um you know abused and tortured and killed but they're CGI monkeys, so it's like I don't know. Maybe maybe there's some mm. there's some value to that in some way, but it it often feels like, well, what is what is the point here exactly? Why are you doing genocide, right. but it's monkeys or aliens, like in that film District Nine, you know, or yes, or or yes. whatever other Ugh, species. Blomp Camp. Did you ever see that? That fucking awful. Did you ever see Chappie? Have not seen Chappie. Pick that one no, up. No, no, no. Oh boy, I had I had a very embarrassing period in my I want to say early to generously mid twenties, <laughs> where like I I where like I I really enjoyed the Antwerd. Oh, uh, interesting. That's not, that's that like you're not, that's that group he with, would put in his movies, right? What are they like? Yeah, what are they like. Are they, they are New Zealander New Zealanders or something? South South African like white like, rappers, like white Afrikaner, hilarious, like South African rappers. This must have been during and, your uh, Rasta are, phase. It, <laughs> yes, exactly right. It was right right up next to my Rasta phase. Um, uh, there was listen. So so I I I I don't know. Oh my god, I couldn't imagine and a more embarrassing like, band to be into. No, they're they're just so like until your mid twenties. Really, I mean, I've never listened to anything by them. I don't have an opinion of them, but they sure, seemed very garish. Sure. Yeah, yeah, they were like they're they're performance artists, and they they kind of like made a meal out of like being Afrikaners and like I don't know, which is a little uh, uncomfortable, right, I, to begin with. A little uncomfortable, like, yeah. and, and they kind of had a I don't know. There was like a weird like. What with the psychosexual uh, with apartheid and whatnot, right? Yeah, yeah, I had a lot going on, there. but <laughs> they they're in they're in that movie for no good reason, and like the two Neil Blomkamp, I believe, is his, the Blomkamp. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, Chappie, uh, just like you know, 
part of the ongoing trend towards the video gamification of, of movies. Um, Interesting. In what know, way? You see it in... Um, I don't know. Like you, you'd, you'd see it in... The films of Christopher Nolan, see for it sure. In, yeah, yeah. Like, like District 9, I remember, like... You know, just just like the scenes where you like the characters would get the power up and like they get the they get the gun. So wait, how do you lightning. how do you define the video game? What is the influence of video games on cinema in your mind? How would you describe that? I guess uh, I guess it would be like so. There's 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 how how games are designed is like you are supposed to. Like you start at a, you start like very like like low power. Like you can't you can't do very much. You uh, like you're kind of outclassed. And then as the game progresses, you kind of you gain new skills and new items that that is supposed to evolve the gameplay somehow. That is supposed to bring new value to your experience there. So you're not just like doing the same thing for five hours or yeah, of long course. So is. then, how does that manifest itself in a movie? Um, just like having those beats be the same beats as you would find in a video game. Like, you know, no, there's when there's no reason for like when a character gets a new gun, right? The gun doesn't do anything to advance the plot. It's just like, so there's no, so there's no like, there's no like, there's no like, there's no like dramatic tension or thematic subtext. It's just about like, can I become more powerful so that I can defeat this next thing? But I yes, mean, like, I would yes. even, like, I would me, even, give me like the Halo lightning gun. Like, I would even hesitate the, that, that the though, like, I would even hesitate to, to describe that as like, uh, like video games, um, influence on movies because like, hmm. this kind of reminds me, uh, to harken back to, uh, just a brief beat on a Patreon episode of ours, uh, in which you were talking about, uh, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, where you said like, oh, it's a great mm-hmm. action movie, but nothing more. Like I feel like, um, you know, like a like a like a genuinely great action movie or like a great Hong Kong action film that features just kind of like very well executed action sequences or like kind of like acrobatic fight scenes. Like those things in and of themselves have like aesthetic value um, that at least mm-hmm. can be as as a valid or or aesthetically accomplished as something that is more dependent upon um you know character or again thematic subtext so i hesitate to say that like i think that like action cinema done well um is its own kind of to to trot out something that sounds insufferably pretentious but like poetry like it has value in and of itself in its Mm -hmm. like kind of Mm -hmm. like visual and physical accomplishments but when i think of like perhaps how like video games have like affected cinema like like the films of christopher nolan pretty much all of which i dislike except for uh the prestige i kind of like the prestige because like the prestige is kind of like his most okay I'll, I'll, i'll circle back to this but like christopher nolan to me his is like an autistic puzzle box cinema because like his films uh there's no character development there there's no real uh uh thematic content on which to chew um and they're like super chaste and they're like devoid of like sensual pleasures you know not just like there's like a hilarious uh scene in the dark knight rises where uh bruce wayne it's like implied that he like hook up he hooked up with this woman but he's like oh hello 
human woman and then like it does like he also he's just like in some ways he's just not a very good filmmaker christopher nolan like if you if you look at those uh, at least those batman movies like his cuts come like either weirdly early or too late or whatever there's there, there's yeah. like no sense of rhythm or nuance but then like suddenly the woman is like in a sleeping bag on the floor he has a mansion but i guess like whatever but like like he, he doesn't seem to enjoy he doesn't seem to enjoy filmmaking like he doesn't enjoy color or, or like, uh, or kineticism of any way, be it through like camera yes. movement if, or if editing. I, if I could just interject, like, there's, there was a, there was a point last year where I saw Dark Knight again, and I had, I had seen it when it came out in theaters, and I, I, I just remember, I don't know, there, there have been few experiences where I've been more embarrassed to like look back on something that like I really liked. Oh sure. Like, I yeah. was I was into the dark night and then I saw it again. I was like, oh boy. Well like, he's he's is... joyless in the way that nerds are joyless. Because nerds yeah. Yeah. like nerds don't even like like their kitty shit in the way that you or I might like like that that that's the thing. Like it's not even like oh I love fucking action and for something to beat me over the head and fucking colors and tits it's like no they don't even really like that <laughs> they like they like creating and this is what christopher nolan cinema is entirely what nerds mm. like what do they like they like uh world building for its own sake and what does world building involve uh. it involves an internal like system of like of, of rules, right? Like, oh, well, this happens because this set of characters, like, you know, if you're doing like fantasy or whatever, it's like, oh, well, these characters, they do this or that. Or in this world, like in Star Trek, it's like, oh, well, you have to do this for the spaceship to do that or whatever. And in Christopher Nolan's case, it's like, okay, I'm going to create this world like an inception and where it's like, okay, to accomplish this end, you have to jump through these hoops, but only under these circumstances. So in what way are these characters going to do this so that they can accomplish that? And the thing is, like, plot is one of the most superficial elements of movies or storytelling. Like, plot is just a means to an end. Like, plot, right. uh, like, plot is just a device through which you communicate some kind of aesthetic or emotional or thematic value. But he never does that. With him, it's just all about how am I going to solve this arbitrary equation? How am I going to add up... Mm. And then, and then um, deduce the results of this th this set of rules, this problem that I've I've contrived, and that's what nerds like. Where it's like, mm, I know that they have to do that in order to do that because it's a dream inside of a dream. Do you know what I'm saying? Am I making any sense? Yeah, but that's the nerd yeah, absolutely, absolutely. thing. Absolutely, like to be a nerd is it's not yeah. even to console yourself with like indulging in like. Um, just kind of like superficial base pleasures. It's not even that. It's just like, oh, I, I like how it feels on my brain where I'm being yeah. presented yeah. with this arbitrary set of rules by an author and I can decode why why X by way of of Y is Z or whatever. And it's yeah. meaningless. It's yeah. meaningless. Oh, it's just a meaningless X that makes you feel smart. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like like you, you were seeing that on full display with uh, like when we were at the fever pitch of uh, of Game of Thrones, like, because those books, I mean, I, I I assume you haven't read them, right? No, I haven't read any of the books, no. No, no, not, neither have I, but, like, the the show uh, had all these expectations kind of drawn in because the, because the books are, what I understand, they're incredibly dense, and they are just, just like, like... But at least Game like of Thrones, like, luridly indulged in, like, 
sex and violence and intrigue. That's true. You know? That's true. There was lots of sex and violence and intrigue, but there was that nerd shit aspect to it where like the lore right. was extremely dense. And there was a backstory for everything. Like every sword had its own backstory. Like every, you know, there's like a like a hundred, like five hundred houses, and they all have their their kind of family histories and like yeah. Well, that's like a that's so like a when, tenet. When, when that's like a were, tenet of 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 like that kind of high fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Well, like like it can be, but I don't know. Like a lot of it isn't like that. Like Game of Thrones specifically. What's an example that's not like I guess that? Not I mean, like Lord of the Rings is like that. Sans the like sluttier aspects of game of thrones right yeah i guess so i mean and hmm. that's not even necessarily a bad thing like i like it's not something i'm into but like it can't just be about like the accounting of an invented world you know like it it all has to be in service of some kind of emotional or intellectual end but yeah yes and i i think i think a lot of people do kind of miss that part of it and they just like they kind of collect facts about the world. Yeah, well, that's why it appeals. It, that's why it appeals. That's why like it appeals to nerds, like sci-fi and fantasy yeah. in that way. Yeah. Because like then the nerd can convince themselves that like I'm absorbing this raw information, and just because mm-hmm. it's information, that means it's valuable and that I'm smart. You know. Whereas mm-hmm. it would be mm-hmm. harder and more worthwhile to like have to look at a work critically and decide what it means or why it makes you feel the way you feel. Like that involves critical right. thinking and and introspection where it's like just being able to again it's like a puzzle just being able to like suss out whatever clues mm. um so you can measure them against like the arbitrary rules of the world. Like yeah, that takes work mm. in a sense, but it's empty fatuous work. Like you're just you're just doing like accounting of an imaginary set of facts for its own sake sure. and that can just, make you feel smart just, but it's it's it doesn't really yeah. enlighten you in any way you may as well be doing a crossword puzzle yeah um at that point that's uh that's not a great way to to it i mean i mean unless you unless you really enjoy that unless uh unless you yourself are a nerd and you enjoy your life if you enjoy your life if you do this listener you know don't don't change your behavior on our account uh you wanna you wanna i don't know like did you like tenet did you watch Tenet? I didn't watch it. No, no, I don't think I anyone have no did. Interest. But it's that same kind of thing. It was like it was like a it was like a tr- time traveling. Yeah, well, I heard that leans uh, into like his worst impulses. Like that's his his mm. most egregious um, oh, offense um, uh, in that regard. But uh, what I yeah. did watch, I watched uh, half of Mank and then and then turned it off because I just found it boring. <laughs> you turned it off. Yeah. David Fincher. Yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! You know, I, I really, I, I loved Seven back in the day. I loved uh, that was a, that was a formative one for well, me. Well, actually, recently, big. I'm um, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I recently um, uh, revisited uh, some. I mean, I've always loved Zodiac. Um, I've always loved mm. the Social Network. Mm, I think those are two great movies, two five star movies. Every other David Fincher film, to me, has ranged from either okay to pretty good. Um, you know, he mm-hmm. was never someone like I never considered him. I never considered him certainly not a master or even someone who was as like significant as like other kind of like contemporaneous directors, as like you know, like PTA or or Tarantino or mm-hmm. Wes Anderson. Like I always like I was never that into him. 
or whatever. But I was I was revisiting like his, I, I revisited like his uh, last uh, three most recent films and like listen to his audio commentaries on YouTube just cause I like to do that. And it's interesting. And like hearing him talk about it, like he sounded like, like a pretty thoughtful guy and like a relatively humble guy, but like hmm. Mank is just like such a fucking misfire. I mean, like other people are going to oh, yeah. like talk about it to fucking death, but like, I mean, you know that I fucking like, I worship Orson Welles, you know? And in this movie, hmm. I mean, I don't want to, so many other people are going to have talked about this and we'll talk about it, but like, um, you know, like, uh, Pauline Kael, uh, wrote an essay in the early seventies in which she tried to argue that Herman J. Mankiewicz, the, the protagonist of Mank, um, who was a credited co-writer on Citizen Kane was like the true auteur of Citizen Kane and that Wells, uh, mm. tried to, to steal credit from him, which had, has been like thoroughly historically debunked. Um, but like, you know, Fincher, apparently his father uh, wrote the screenplay that like drew from that, whatever. But it's like, whatever, the movie, the movie is just like boring and not good. And um, it's not even like, enti- is it long? I mean, it's not particularly long. It feels long, but it's not even like entirely about that. It has a uh, Bill Nye, the science guy playing Upton Sinclair, oddly enough. But uh, epic. <laughs> yeah, so epic, epic. So epic. But, uh, oh. but um yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, other people have said this, but there's like something about who Orson Welles was, which was like a guy who was good at everything, who was committed to his art above everything else, and who harbored like left wing views. Who, for, for, right. who for once, you know, was was given free reign by the Hollywood system to make whatever movie he wanted to make, and he made the best movie of all time. And Hollywood, even to this day like almost a century later cannot forgive him for it. And so even someone uh, like David Fincher, who is an auteur, like say what you will about how good he is. Like David Fincher is an auteur and like, even he doesn't have the impulse to be like, I owe everything to Orson Welles. It's like, no, like the fact that he's like, he was, he was so fucking badass. like this week, like just last night I rewatched chimes at midnight, which was one of his last features incredible have you ever seen it also known as falstaff i have not i have not awesome film by orson wells it's like he he like takes um the the passages of i think like three different shakespeare plays that center on um prince hal and falstaff and like kind of Mm. remixes them in such a way he's basically like the only director who's made like good fun movies about shakespeare because he's he's the only one who's like had a big enough dick to not be intimidated by Shakespeare. Like he's a big enough man that he's like, yeah, I know Shakespeare. I'm going to make a cool movie about it. And like the movies are as cinematic as like the source texts are literary. Like he just fucking nails them and chimes at midnight is the best one. It's one of his best films. It might be his best film. You can stream it on HBO max, um, uh, including uh, citizen Kane and effort fake. Um, oh, wow. and, uh, a cut of Mr. Arcaden, but I don't think it's the cut that's, um, most closely uh, approximates uh, his cut or whatever. But uh, but anyway, like, um, what was I saying? All of this is to say it reminded me that uh, I shit talked this guy once um, on the pod, but uh, I uh, there was a summer where I worked for um, Hack Chuck Workman, who was the guy uh, who yes. um, he, he made his name um, 
editing uh, the montages uh, at the Oscars where you have like all the old movies, like, here's looking at you, kid, oh, whatever, just all that bullshit. And he actually won an Oscar in the 80s for best short film because he made a montage of like the most famous and iconic Hollywood films called like fucking Precious Images or whatever. So it's like, good job, Ugh. dude. But uh, yeah, I worked for him that one terrible summer and he was my, uh, my professor uh, my sophomore year of college. But um, during that summer, me and Sam, we were helping him. We were basically assistant editors for two documentaries he was making. One was called What is Cinema? Where we would just like we would just like buy DVDs on Amazon and then use like fucking jailbreak to rip them and then cut out the most iconic parts for him to turn into some grand montage about his conception of the history of movies. And the other one was a similar thing that actually did came, come out and I think was like included as like a special feature on some Wells movie called The Magician, which oh. was like a, a similar like clips of Palooza about Orson Welles. And even at the time, like it was kind of cool because like that was the first time I watched Chimes at Midnight on this like terrible like European release of it before like Criterion did like a 4K restoration of it or whatever. Um, and I actually did see that restoration um, at Film Forum uh, back when uh, movie theaters were still a thing. In other movies, like oh. I, we saw, like uh, an approximation <laughs> of the the movie he made, and yeah. uh, he was he was during World War II. He was dispatched by the U.S. government to make like a goodwill movie to encourage like um, uh, 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 North American South American relations or whatever. It was a documentary about okay. like uh, then modern Cuba called "It's All True." which someone later put together. Yeah. And because he was making that, he was not in Hollywood when they butchered the Magnificent Ambersons and he had his uh, cut taken away of him. From, oh, from that. But anyway, so cool. it was nice because I got to like, I watched that and I, we watched like basically like every interview that Orson Welles ever gave on like TV and stuff. Like they did Cavett show. Uh -huh. He had like a, a pilot of a series he was going to do. Like it was a pilot for like the Orson Welles show and it was like a talk show and he had like Burt <laughs> Reynolds on and the fucking Muppets or whatever. So like I got to like absorb like all this like other like far flung Orson Welles content. I know I'm talking about this a lot. I'm going to wrap it up. But but uh, we were we were ripping all of this for him and like like we were making this joke like there was something so ironic about the fact that this like putrid ant of a man, Chuck Workman, like the guy who was just like the embodiment of what it is to be like a hack and the opposite of oh. an artist and just like a venal, that's, that's... vicious dickhead was like, was like unselfconsciously making a documentary about this greatest of auteurs, this man who would like... You know, people make fun of Orson Welles for the fact that he was like the voice of Optimum Prime, Optimus Prime, and uh, and uh, did that wine commercial drunk. And it's like, oh, isn't it right. isn't it tragic that he had to do this for money? It's like, well, yeah, he was doing it for money so he can finance his films. And anyone who's like, right. who's had to like endure the drudgery of a day job to just try to pursue some kind of like personal creative suit at night could 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 appreciate it. But it's just so funny that this great man, like this this just this this smelly little callous rat was making this movie about him and just like content oh content about Orson Welles who was like such such a such a pure and admirable idol something about that seems to attract the inverse which is just these mm. these these like pathetic principleless people and we had this joke where it was like a it was like documentary footage of Welles talking about Chuck Workman it's like Chuck always knows when to let something <laughs> breathe. 
and went to cuts, <laughs> you know, and then bursting into laughter. So anyway, just like the the hideous irony of of that of that uh, oh, discrepancy God. was funny. And also just while I'm... What a parasitic career. That's that's like... Yeah, he's... That's nothing. Yeah, he's, that's he's, he nothing. sucks a lot. He's yeah. a bad guy. But anyway, that was a tangent mm-hmm. on... Uh, yeah, Mank sucks. Don't stream Mank. Stream uh, one of several Orson Welles films on HBO Max yes. or torrent any of his films for free. Hmm. Or... Yeah. You didn't hear that from me. But uh, I understand there's no. been some snow in your neck of the woods. There's been, there may have been a little bit of <laughs> snow up in my neck of the woods, Ralph. Um, it's a... <laughs> I'm glad we've kind of built up... You know, we've 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 been waiting for the big reveal of the snow. Um, oh, speaking speaking of reveals, I I, I mentioned yeah. on a, I finally got my uh, Manscaped lawnmower 3.0. No way! And I gave it a no spin. Shit. I gave okay. it a spin. You got oh boy! May I offer okay, my review? So. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourselves. <laughs> if you if you 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 you're a podcast connoisseur, you know what's what. Maybe you've heard. This is not a paid advertisement. You know, I wish it was advertisements. Yeah, I we we both wish it was, pal. But but the manscapes. We do wish you would uh, subscribe to the, to the podcast at Patreon.com/slash/FeelingWell mm-hmm. for just five dollars a month. Yes. You'll get over four hours yes. of additional content a month. But that's uh, right. But yeah, that's right. Um, and perhaps uh, perhaps one day I will be able to take some of that Patreon money and buy a Manscaped of my own. That's right. Um, I think you should, pal, especially are, since things. you're the harrier of the two of us by leaps and bounds. I'm the harrier yeah. of the two of us. It's uh, oh horrible. It's an ordeal. We're, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna spend another episode talking about my my putrid <laughs> pubis. Well, we talked about that. We're gonna. We're gonna yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, but uh, okay. So you so you 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 finally received the product. That's right. And you've taken it for a spin. Uh, now, now, uh, now, how many stars would you give this? Would you give this product? All right. Well, let me let me talk about it. So, okay. All right. So, pri- we're not going to lead off with a star value. I, let's. That's, we'll that's, we'll that's build. We'll build to the star rating. All right. I, won't, yeah. I have. I want to give a more like in film criticism. You know, like star <laughs> ratings. They're reductive because how could you really reduce? It? But um, so like pr- previ- uh, prior to this, I had basically the only other pubic hair trimmer on the market which was i believe it's called the mm-hmm. philips norocco man body trimmer oh, yeah. or whatever sucked mm-hmm. only thing i had for years you, you fucking mow it over and over on your on your on your grassy knoll takes forever it's 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 a cumbersome tool doesn't really get the job done i have to say once i fired up this baby it's it's a quality product. Like it just made hmm. quick work of my fucking of my fucking bush. Like it just like mowed it down mm. and like it really like you really almost cannot nick yourself with it. Like I was so impressed. Oh. Here's the thing. I was mm. so impressed by its its a uh, skin safe quote unquote technology just like mowing, mowing down down the bush. That I think I got kind of a little carried away, and I started like dragging uh, you, it across. You, you pushed the limits. Yeah, I, I kind of started dragging it across uh, my genitals proper, and I must confess, like mm. I did end up nicking the underside of my penis, uh, like the un- found a way. the underbelly of you the found shaft, a way to hurt yourself. and and I did draw yes. blood. But I have to say, in the product's defense, I think I was abusing it because I don't think. Okay. I don't think the pro- like okay so folks this product is not for like every nook and cranny of your business. I think it's really designed for like the fields to like especially the north but like the east and west of your genitals 
Like it's not built for like the uneven, largely uncertain terrain of your like scrotum or like the tender flesh at the like underside of the base of your shaft. So I was tempting fate and I paid the price. It wasn't a severe injury, but I did nick myself and bleed, but I'm not going to hold that Mm. against the product. I think they actually have like a separate product that is for if you want to go like buck wild and, 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 and shave your balls and whatnot. So I don't know. I think out of five as I like, I haven't used that many other, May, I mean, I got to give it, it seems like the best thing on the market. I got to give it five okay. stars. I don't know. All righty. So it's a great so product. If you're trying to put a, if you're trying to put like a, like a polyurethane finish on your business down there, maybe it's not going to get you there. But no, I actually for, think for I don't want to, it's not for your dick and balls. It's for your, no, it's for your, mm. it's for the pubic suburbs. I think primarily <laughs> I did get some. I did get some ball hair off with it. That's how good it is. Is that you mm. could, you could, you could tempt fate a little bit, but if you get a little too mm. ambitious, you might pay the price because that's not really what it's for. But it is that good mm. that you can make inroads there to some degree. But I think they have a separate product that's for that. Yes. But yes. Um, indeed, ah, for the canny consumer, <laughs> there can be no substitution. For the manscaped male trimming solution. Well, now I feel now I feel a little whorish because I feel like we gave such a glowing ad of this product, but they don't. We've they don't given. They don't need us, but they don't need us. But we are there for them. That's right. Nonetheless, giving them that feeling well bump. That's right. But bumps will not be your experience if you use this. That's product. right. No razor bumps. Will- It'll be smooth as all hell. But I understand there's been some snow in your neck of the woods. There's been a little snow, Ralph. There's been a little bit, yeah. Um. <laughs> oh God, no, man. I mean, people people talk shit on. I I mean, I remember like like as long as I've been aware of pop culture, Orson Welles has kind of been this punchline where oh, we're circling like, back like, to oh, Welles. Like he did the. Well, I was thinking about it, like, cause, cause he, cause he, you know, like, like as you were saying, like, he had to do that, you know, ah, the French champagne, which is hilarious. The, the Palma it's, song. It is, it's, it's hilarious. It's a gut busting like, uh, document. Yeah, because he, cause he's living his life, you know, like he's he's there, he's getting paid. Paul Masson's bringing out the big bucks, and he's. Uh, I did not know he was Optimus Prime as well. Who knows? Was that was that for like the original Transformers? animated series way back when no there was some i mean i don't know about original series but he did the voice of some animated yeah. movie they did and he was the oh, voice okay. of uh either optimus prime or decepticon but that's one of, i see and also another one Mr. is the, decepticon and the other one is the famous frozen peas commercial but like oh this this was all to the Ooh. end of him like self-financing his films and i don't know if you saw the frozen peas no i'm interested in that i used to i used to dabble in frozen peas myself ralph that oh. was uh that was one of my favorite things back in the day. <laughs> okay. Back when uh So we're already off Orson Wells I would say. No, no, no. We can get right back on. I'm sorry. You had a, you had a story cocked and ready. <laughs> Far be it from me to derail the conversation. No, I was just going to say that I don't know if you saw this was another thing that was like this was like the most significant bit of like uh lost history of Orson Wells when mm. I was working for that um uh stupid egregious asshole chuck workman was like his un mm-hmm. uh, his unfinished yeah. final film the other side of the wind which uh like insanely fortuitously um against all odds like netflix uh, ended up putting up the money for um 
people to finish um his his like um you know his uh, uh close uh, acolytes like Gary Graver who was his go-to cinematographer late in his life and uh, Peter Bogdanovich and um huh. some other some other uh, veteran editor who had the herculean task of putting it together based on just like the raw footage and like notes that Wells had left behind but um they completed the other side of the wind um, and it was put on Netflix in 2018 and it's an incredible movie. Oh. It's like insanely modern looking. If you watch it, it looks like a movie that came out in the two thousands or whatever. Wow. Um, okay. But, uh, I did not know that was, that was a thing. That's something that wow. you can stream on Netflix along with the corresponding documentary about the making of it called, uh, they'll remember me when I'm dead and whatnot. But, uh, huh. what was that? What was I getting at with that? But just that, uh, yeah. Like as, as you were saying, like even when he was, um, resorting to that work that this that commercial work that was uh, below him back then mm-hmm. it was in the service of this like um vital and groundbreaking um art that he was making you know yeah. so uh he was he was yeah. a great guy whereas uh you know um i think that a lot of modern uh, public figures celebrities uh whatever you want to call them creatives uh they they engage in similarly uh, demeaning, shamelessly commercial work, but it's not even counted against them anymore. You know, it's not even considered yeah. something that should should run counter to the reputation of of, of an artist or, or someone who has self respect. It's just kind of been, uh, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But you have I like fucking like, Travis what, Scott what, what, what doing. There? You have Travis Scott doing his fucking McDonald's dance and everything and shit like that, and yeah. it, like it doesn't come at the expense of oh. his uh, his uh, credibility. But yeah, yeah. I mean, back in back in that generation, like there was still there's no longer back in, there's that, long- back in that generation. There's there's no there's no expectation of integrity anymore. Like, you know, there there for better or worse, there is like it's more accepted. Like you can just 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 sell out as quickly as you can. Yeah, there's selling out no is no is longer really a thing. Gonna hold it against yeah, you. yeah. 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 Well, uh, but uh, completely unrelated uh, if you guys yeah. want to pay us money, uh, make sure you go to uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash feeling well. On our last Patreon yeah. episode, uh, we uh, shit-talked someone who is a popular Twitter account, has way more followers mm-hmm. than me. I'm not going to say who way it more. was, but if you want to hear us talking yeah, shit, go uh, like a couple of couple of messy bitches behind a paywall you'll find it there uh, um i interrogated literally lo- show me a healthy podcast <laughs> well done well mm. done and uh and uh i talked about my recent uh, coronavirus scare and uh we uh, interrogate oh. we once again interrogated lloyd about his uh his horniness so if you want to you yeah. you want to you want to roll around like a little piggy in that dirt because that's the real shit yeah that's that that's, is the that, real that, shit, and if that, that is, is the that shit is in which well podcast firing on all cylinders, if that is the shit in which you want to roll, you little pig, go to Patreon.com/slash/FeelingWell and subscribe five dollars a month. It's a fucking bargain, and uh, and roll with us. That's right, roll, roll with us. Roll with us. Oink Come oink. On sco scoee scoee. <laughs> and in the meanwhile, rate us five stars. Give us a review on Apple Podcast or whatever. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Feeling Well Pod. Uh, follow Lloyd at Void Howler. Follow me at Hey Ralph Man. Lloyd, uh-huh. always a pleasure. Wait, ah, uh, shit. 
I forgot to tell you about the snow, but we'll we'll get to that ah, next time. Yes. Always a pleasure, folks. Bye bye. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah